Hello, Texans, and welcome. We are back in Houston. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on the program, keeping you in touch with your Houston Texans. Texans All Access here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio across the hall from the Houston Texans locker room, which is not exactly bustling with activity right now, John. No. Kind of quiet right now. It's Very rodeo quiet. time. Although, DJ Reader riding a horse. You know, we've got other things going on. Jordan Thomas doing stuff at the rodeo. Videos you will see soon on HoustonTexans.com and other places. You know, NFL players and future NFL players on a horse, a, a big storyline this weekend. Really? Devin White, who we got to talk about the combine, too. I know we got news, and we'll, we'll oh, talk about, talk that, about that. But Devin White, linebacker from LSU, when he declared for the draft, he rode Daisy May, his horse. I think it's his horse. It may not be his horse, but it's the one that he rides in Baton Rouge. And he rode Daisy May into Tiger Stadium and rode her around Tiger Stadium. <laughs> they showed the video. It's fantastic. I mean, it's great stuff. Devin I'm glad White he declared. Otherwise, that could be an illegal benefit. It could be, but yeah, horses all the rage. So uh, DJ Reader getting on a horse. Good for him. Yeah, that's good stuff. I've never been on a horse. I don't know if Jadeveon Clowney has been on a horse lately or ever, but he's Oof. been franchise tagged by this franchise. Yeah. So he is, and let's explain to everybody what this means for Clowney, for your Texans, and we don't know how it's all going to end up, but we know the beginning of it. Yes, and so there are a number of steps in this process. Number one is the Texans placing the franchise tag on Jadeveon Clowney. Now, it's a non-exclusive tag, which means that, other teams can they can send out an offer sheet. Right. And the Texans can look at that and match that and keep Clowney. Or the Texans can say, nope, we're not up for that. And that team would then have to kick over two first-round picks right. to the Texans. The exclusive tag is just it's you and that player, and that's it. Yeah. Everybody else, it, you, just, you two figure it out. So I think there are a couple of things with this non-exclusive tag. Number one, other teams – can jump in and help set the market. What is what is the actual market for Jadeveon Clowney in a yeah. long term uh, in a long term situation? So a team comes up and they set the market and they put it at a particular number, and then the Texans get to decide. Essentially, are are they happy with that? Do they want to go with that number? They can match it, and then that's what they're going to go with for uh, a long term situation for Jadeveon. And look, they've got until July fifteenth to negotiate a long term deal. Now, the second part of this is that Jadeveon, as far as we know at this point, has not signed it, mm-hmm. but the tag has just been placed on him. Now, Le'Veon Bell, and that, that's probably the comparison point here with the franchise tag, Le'Veon Bell never signed his franchise tag. So when there was talk about Le'Veon Bell coming back, that's what Bell would have had to have done. He would have to sign a franchise tag, but for Bell, it was the second year of a franchise tag. So Bell said he didn't want to be franchised the second year. He played under the franchise tag the year before, which was 2017, and he wasn't going to do it again in 2018. So that's where all that came from. Now, I don't I don't believe that JD has signed it, and he may not, but they can renegotiate or they can negotiate all the way up till July 15th. So that's your next deadline with Jadeveon Clowney. So franchise tag placed on him today. Not exclusive. They've got until July 15th to try and work out a long-term deal. And all indications are that they're going to try and continue to come to an agreement on a long-term deal. Just Next because question. they, had, yeah, just because they had to place the franchise tag on them, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that at all. 
I just think it's a step in the process, as Bill O'Brien said. It's a long process. He told us at the comment. It's a long process with the business of football. Well, you understand it from Clowney's camp, you want the maximum as to what your value might be with any Absolutely. club. If you're the Texans, you don't want Clowney hitting the market without right. any – Thing in return, other than if you just let him hit the market without the tag, you'd get a draft choice back. Big deal. Right. Compensatory, you know, this yeah. way, you could get a really nice deal if that's what you're looking for, if another team does make that offer. So there's one option on the table, or one possibility anyway. The other one is you work out a deal before July 15th. Now, Johnny, if they don't work out a deal by July 15th, Clowney can play for the whatever it is, $14, 15000000 million right. guaranteed that he'll get. Uh, so, like, his worst-case scenario is, well, there's another scenario out there, but that that's it right there, right? I mean, you're going to get that money if you're heavy on Clowney for minimum one year. Right. If he decides to wait, then it's a whole different deal because he's not going to be paid for not playing. So then it gets kind of sticky. You know about Le'Veon Bell, everybody, what happened to him. He sits out a year. He doesn't make the money that he would have gotten for that particular season. Now, maybe he banks in the next contract as he hits the open market. But, right. you know, I always think it's a sticky situation for a player if he decides not to take that money for that one year at the very least if he's unable to come to an agreement with his team. Absolutely. As soon as J.D. signs that franchise tag, it is guaranteed for that year. Yep. As soon as he signs it. Today he could do it. He could sign it today. He could sign it tonight. Done. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed money. And you can money. still negotiate the long-term deal. Yes, and you can still negotiate the long-term deal up until July 15th. So the question for J.D., is he a defensive end or is he a linebacker? That is determined by the league. That's not determined by the team. Mm-hmm. The team actually paid him an additional million dollars because of that designation that they played him more defensive end than outside linebacker. Yep. And so they paid him that. The team did. But that is something the league determines. What that kind of is decided, yeah, exactly. So, I, hopefully, when they come to a long term deal, that won't that won't matter. You can I, just leave I know that what, out. I but as far as tag designation is goes, they've got to decide defensive or linebacker. The NFL does. It's the abbreviation for what Clowney is is FSGW, front seven game wrecker. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's not linebacker. It's not defensive lineman. He plays in the front seven. Often wherever he would prefer and wrecks the game. So I don't know how you designate that salary-wise, and it's not my business, and it's up for Brian Gain, Chris Olsen, and Clowney's people to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But good luck to them and the league, yep. as you say. So we'll see what happens there. Clowney, very valuable part of this team. There's no doubt about it. That's why they do this. They don't do this because, oh, we want him to go. <laughs> they do it because yep. they want him to stay. They want to come to an agreement. What do I always say? The worst two things about being a sports fan. Contract negotiations and injuries. You know, yep. you're following this stuff. I, you know, I know some people really get into the contracts and all how the guaranteed money and the dead cap money and the cap yep. money and the, uh, they go to the spot rack and whatever. It's spot track, spot track, whatever. Spot rack, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I'm they, with they you. like to follow all this stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, I spent a whole day uh, with the salaries trying to figure that out and trying to. It's the one. It's the one part of the the, the game of football that that can be really. Difficult, and it's difficult for a lot of people. I mean, if you think about it, Brian Gain. It was one of the things we talked about with Brian Gain. You know, when Brian Gain got into this this business, if you will, if you think about it, he got in watching players, studying players, trying to find NFL players. I mean, he got in being a scout. He loved watching film. He loved watching uh, guys uh, to try to figure out which guys were going to you know fit his team. Then when you move up the ladder, and all of a sudden you're you're thinking about being a GM, or you get to be a GM, all of a sudden you got to start thinking about these. 
business of football sort of things that you don't think about. It's the same thing for a head coach. Head coach gets in because he likes coaching ball plays. He likes being around ball players. He likes leading the team in some way, shape, or form. Then you get to be an NFL head coach like Bill O'Brien, and all of a sudden you've got all these different things that you've got to think about that I don't want to say work against the way you are, but in some sense, and we talked about this with Bill at the Combine, it's the one part of football that he really doesn't like because you get up in front of your team, you get close with your team. To be successful, you've got to have that camaraderie, and then all of a sudden you get into March and the business of football kicks in, and it's like you lose this player or this player goes somewhere else. You right. bring other players in. It's That's a really part the- difficult part of this whole process, and I think it's going to be that way for Brian Gain as well to go through this and figure this out. Luckily, a guy like Chris Olsen is there, and Chris has done a whale of a job. And Brian pointed him out the other day. Chris has done a whale of a job with these contracts. I mean, Chris is just unbelievable. The way he is able to, to structure these contracts to get players happy, but that are also helpful for the team in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I, I just think this is, a really, this is a really interesting one with J.D., and you know how I feel about it. I, I think J.D. is as valuable as anybody on this team. He because he provides so much versatility. We were talking to Greg Cosell the other night, and Greg asked me about him. I said, Clowney has two elite traits. Number one's versatility. Number two is power. Those two things that he has, and I mean, I didn't get to speed. I mean, you could say his speed is elite. But his power and his versatility make him the, you know, FSGW that you just called him. That's Mm -hmm. what makes him that type of player. So having him... The versatility allowing him to move up and down the line of scrimmage. And, and to that end, I don't know if there would have been other teams that would have taken Clowney and done with him what the Texans did. I think some teams would have just put Clowney on the outside and just said, all right, here you go. You just play out here and away you go. Outside linebacker, yeah, edge he rusher. Just plays on the edge, puts his hand down on pass, yeah. rush downs, but he plays outside linebacker. That's what he's going to do. I don't know that other teams would have said, let's move him over here. Yeah. Let's move him here. Let's do this with him. Yeah. Let's try this. Let's stand him up at linebacker. I don't know that other teams would have done that. Maybe they would have figured it out. Put him I over guess. the center. You know? But the way the Texans have used him is that have actually increased his value, I think. Yeah. Because I think other teams would have gotten him and said, okay, well, you're just an edge guy. And I think that's the beauty of Clowney is that he's not just an edge guy. I mean, he is a front seven guy. Play him up and down the front seven. He'll dominate anybody you play against, play him against. So that, to me, is where his value comes in. Maybe not in the high sack volume, yep. but what it is that he opens up for a lot of players on this front seven. And, you know, when you're dealing with contract negotiations, you talk about sacks, you talk about some of the numbers. Now, yep. if you're looking at TFLs, you're looking at one of the elite players in this Absolutely. league over the last few years. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I know the sack totals aren't to some people's, and by some people I mean some of the less educated pundits or fans liking they would like to see more and look who wouldn't like to see more sacks but how he affects the game I always say this if you're the opposing offensive coordinator what do you think of that player you're having nightmares about J.J. Watt you're having nightmares about Jadeveon Clowney yep those are the two in the front seven that you're having nightmares about you certainly have to deal with Merciless who did not have the kind of volume statistically this past season as he had in the past but he's still very good on the edge and all of that we don't have to get into his situation right now but as far as real game changers, yep. my gosh, it's so there with Jadeveon. And you're right. You know, how do you determine the value? That's for them to figure out, and it's too bad to be in that room. You mentioned it about being Coach O'Brien, and you get to March, and it's the business of football. But then you reload. You have your 90-man roster. And then, then you have who you have right after the draft. Free agency draft, you have your 90-man roster. 
And then it happens again in August because what does he always say when he has to make cuts? These guys have done everything we've asked of them. It's painful because those guys have been on this journey with you from April 17th or whatever, you know, as far as the free agents, then right after the draft. And then you have to make cuts of undrafted free agents. Most of the draft choices make the team, obviously, and the free agents that you don't keep, some of the street guys that you won't keep. And we see him, Bill O'Brien it is, we see Bill O'Brien after every cut down of 53. And he just, it's one of those days I know that he would rather not have to go through. Would absolutely not have to go through it. But that's that's the way it's set up. That's what you have to do. You can't keep all 90 guys. You can't keep 75 like they used to have at one point. You got to get to 53. You got to make tough decisions. And he's charged with doing that. And Brian Gain is charged with doing that. And, they, and they'll get it done. And they'll get us through this business of football situation. And hopefully 2019 ends up being a year that we'll all remember for doing some great things. All right, coming up, a bunch of things. We've got to get Johnny's combine review. We broke down the oh, offensive yeah. lineman workouts on Friday. Let's get into some of the other position groups that have taken the stage at Lucas Oil Stadium in the last few days. Also, I am not jealous of anything that the Cowboys have done post-1996 because the Texans actually have more playoff wins than the Cowboys do post-1996. But... This one thing I'm kind of jealous of. I'll share with you what that is. It's all coming up on Texans Radio. Keeping you in touch with your Houston Texans. Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Johnny Combine. We talked a lot about Clowney in the first segment, so if you just stepped in, Clowney's been tagged, and the team's going to work on a deal, and they hope to get one done. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, we'll keep you posted. you just got to be listening all the time and following HoustonTexans.com. Combine. You went over O-Lyman. On Friday, did anything come in after the show that you wanted to mention regarding alignment other than running into people at the airport, Johnny, and trying yeah, to recruit them? Johnny, you can't recruit in the NFL. It doesn't work that way with these college guys. I tried. I suggested to Andre Dillard from Washington State. I said, look, our plane's going this way. You want to come with us? And he started to, and then he realized, no, he's got to get, he's got to get back home. But I don't think Andre Dillard's going to be around at 23. Which no. which pains me to say. Seems like a nice kid. Pains me to say because I've been watching this guy for three years, and I just with the hope that man, just maybe we can sneak him by. But he was outstanding. I mean, his whole his whole combine performance was just unbelievable. Three hundred fifteen pounds to run a four nine nine forty. I mean, he was just fan. He, he was just fantastic. He was really really good. So uh, it's been a it's been a, it was a good offensive line class. But to me, the story the the story came down to SEC behemoths mm-hmm. just showing it off and showing why the SEC had 90 guys at the Combine. 90. I mean, that's like a third. DK Metcalf. Right. DK Metcalf, wide receiver from Ole Miss, put on an absolute show. At 227 pounds, he did 27 reps at 225. And I remember we were sitting over there. We we saw it happen, and I remember you turned around and you looked at me and you go, "Why is this compelling?" It is. I don't understand why it is. And they're just it they're is. just doing bench press. But I mean, it was fascinating to watch DK put up twenty seven reps. Then he ran four three three, and I knew he would run fast. I knew he would run fast. I knew that. But four three three at two hundred twenty eight pounds is just ridiculous. With twenty seven reps as well. I mean, DK, stole, he, he stole the show um, as a wide receiver. I thought there were some other pretty good, pretty solid wide receiver performances. Andy Isabella from UMass ran four three one. 
And I hated it for him because what ended up happening, and, and this happens with the, with the Combine, because it's on television, you keep going back to that one guy that's hot. It's hot. Man, talking about DK Metcalf, I mean, that's a hot item. Well, the timer when Isabella ran got started early. So when it posted, it posted a 4-5-4. But it started early. But I'm telling you, if Andy Isabella had run a 4-3-1, they would have been talking about him. But they saw 4-5-4, and they went, okay, well, they, we think he's faster, but oh well. Then they came back later and talked about it a little bit, DJ and Rich Eisen. They talked about it a little bit, saying that he beat Denzel Ward in track back in high school. And Denzel mm-hmm. ran a 4-3-1 last year. So Andy Isabella ran 4-3-1. I thought that was a really, really good time for him. Let, but, me, let me pause you right there. In the Vandermock, I, I had him going in round three to the Texans. That's about right. You, I, I you, think the see, round is about right. The round is about right because they ran the 40. So, and Now, I'm not saying <laughs> the Texans are going to take him, but, but the round. I, I think round three is about right. I will take any right. kind of correct, even hint of correct information out of the Vandermock as I possibly can. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. But the freakazoids were yesterday. All right, Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat. <laughs> and my buddy, I found out at the Senior Bowl that my buddy's his agent. And I was like, and it's interesting because a few years ago, I remember my buddy called me and asked me about Bernardrick McKinney. And so my, my buddy was trying to get him as a client. And he didn't get Bernardrick, but he ended up getting Montez. And I saw Montez at the Senior Bowl, and I just, I, I love the guy because He's long armed. I think he's like thirty five and three quarters in charms. Almost thirty six in charms. Two sixty. He's two sixty two, and he ran a four four one. Mark, he would have been the fifth fastest corner at the combine at six six two sixty two. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, it was just it was just ridiculous what this guy did. Um, but what I, uh, you know, Josh Allen, the other edge rusher that gets a lot of a lot of acclaim. I, I didn't think he had a great. I mean, he came in at 260 as well. I didn't think he did as as well. Um, I, I thought he did okay, but he ran the 4'6 range, which is a guy 262 pounds is pretty good. It's just in comparison to sweat. It's almost glacial. But Quentin Williams at 303 ran a 4.83. He he set a, a personal best time of his first run at 4.87, and he's like, nah, I can do better. He ran a 4.83. At 303 pounds, he's he's going to be a top three pick. I don't think there's any question. Rashawn Gary, four five eight at 277. I mean, that's clowny like stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's cl- I mean, that's like that's how clowny's. I built. just I, I was looking at the the whole crop of defensive linemen, in, and I know it's, you have defensive ends and tackles, but the even whole. these tackles they look so cut. It's, it's ridiculous. There's like, where's the body fat? There's there's I mean, DK Metcalf has 1.6 percent body fat. Uh, really. I mean, if you've seen the picture of him, you know. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's Jack. Mm-hmm. But Rashawn Gary, uh, 38-inch vertical, 10-foot broad jump, and ran a 4.58 at 277 pounds. I mean, that's that's absolutely insane stuff. But the linebackers, I thought, ran really well, too. Devin White ran 4.42. Mm-hmm. Devin White, linebacker, 4.42. And Devin Bush, linebacker, ran 4.43. So... Do, do we get overhyped on the 40s? Obviously, right bit. now we do a little bit, but there's nothing else to follow. So no, I know. A it's kind of like it's 40 season, you yeah. know? A it's not bit. football season. It's 40 season. You get It gets out of whack if a guy runs a time, but he doesn't play that way. Yeah. But when you watch Devin White and you watch Devin Bush, you see 4-4-2 and 4-4-3. Like, you see it sideline to sideline. You see that speed. Ironically, last year, I mean, 
De- uh, Roquan Smith set the table for them. But Roquan didn't run like this. Roquan ran the four fives. And everybody loved Roquan. He went number eight to the Chicago Bears. These two guys run four four. And I, I know Tampa Bay is sitting at five and they have a linebacker need because they're probably going to lose Quan Alexander. I would be surprised to see them take a take a flyer on on Devin White. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but four four two is just ridiculous. But the thing was, the inside linebackers and and look, I don't think the Texans are in the market for inside linebackers. I was blown away by how the inside linebackers ran. All of them ran really, really well. I mean, Blake Cashman from Minnesota. I think he ran a four fives. I mean, these guys ran extremely well, led by Bush and by Devin White running four four two. If you're these coaches and scouts, what are you looking for in an inside linebacker? You want the speed, but you also want the ability to turn. Some of the other drills do come in handy yeah. when you're evaluating them and trying to put them all in the same group and figure out who's best from that group. Well, I think it, it depends. I, I think the days of 255-pound Bernardrick McKinney's in the NFL, at least for the time being, I don't say they're gone, but I don't remember seeing a linebacker at 250 pounds in this draft, inside an inside guy. I don't think you're going to find that. That so, is saying something right it, there. It really is. I mean, the their colleges are taking these safety-sized players that might be, in some sense, you know, uh, a little heavier than safety, saying, just put him in as a linebacker. I mean, you're doing the same thing, right? Right. You're running all these spread stuff. you got to run guys down sideline to sideline. Yeah, put these guys at line. And so that's what they're doing. They're taking these fast, what would have been strong safety types way back in the day, and they're making them inside linebackers. And so that's why you're seeing these guys 230-something uh, pounds, 235 pounds. I mean, 240 pounds now is is almost an aberration. I mean, I'm just looking at the Devin Bush is 234, Devin White 237, uh, Tavon Coney uh, from Notre Dame 234, 234, 233, 242 from Wisconsin was big and slow. I mean, uh, relatively speaking, at 466 is pretty good. But just looking at the guys at the combine, hardly any of them are beyond 240. This game is, is Bernardrick eats that for breakfast. Yeah. You know? I mean, my gosh. So when you're looking at this, you're thinking, okay, I've got a guy – if I'm if I'm looking at Bernardrick, I'm looking at a guy that goes forward. He doesn't go back all that often. Now he's done a little bit more of that. But you're thinking about a guy that plays first and second down in the middle and then maybe rushes from the edge. So he's yeah. always going forward. A lot of these guys are going to go back. They're going to be Tampa 2 droppers. They're going to run down the middle of the field. They're going to do those kind of things. So you want to see the speed. You want to see the 4-4. You want to see him going sideline to sideline. You know, Tyreek Hill is running with the football on a jet sweep, and your linebacker can have – any chance of running him down from behind? I mean, it's incredible. You know, quarterback like Deshaun, everybody in the world's faked out, and that that linebacker can go run him down like that? I mean, it's just it's amazing to see the fact that they've gotten smaller, but they've gotten so much faster. You're, just, you're basically taking glorified safeties and playing them in our game now. You're not going to see, I don't think, any longer the two-down linebacker, the big, you know, this guy could stop the run on first and second down, at least not for a while. Until teams start to see it getting too small, like the Patriots, they saw the Rams going too small against them. What they do? They put Devlin in the game. They put two tight ends in the game, and they hammered the they ball. They went power, and they went power. So you might see some teams refer back to that, but it won't be for a while. It won't be for a while because there's enough spread that's going on that you're gonna you're gonna need 240 pounds that can run like these guys out on the field. The, the whole Roger Bannister thing is always in play. And for those who don't know, Roger Bannister was the one who broke the four-minute mile, right? right? And 
They thought it could be done. Once he did it, everybody started to do it. Right. So that says to me, athletes get bigger, stronger, faster. That's why I always say that any NFL team now would crush the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 1970s. Yes. It would not even be. It wouldn't even be a game. It would be a hundred to ten. It would be. It would be ridiculous because of the weight differential. Now, if you could beam those guys up today, maybe they, you know, they have the weight training, whatever else we have going on today, and things are different. Although body types might not accommodate that. Oh mean gosh. Joe Green was 275. Just to give you an example, folks. Yeah. Now you can probably play today because now, now it's maybe coming back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, mean Joe, hey, make a comeback. Yeah. Mean Joe, mean <laughs> Joe would be, you know, he'd be Ed Oliver, I guess. Um, and, and Ed, how I thought, about him? You know, Ed, <laughs> Ed, uh, how do I say this? And I want to make sure I say this properly. Ed maybe game the system a little bit, if that makes sense. And here's what I mean by that. Ed knew all eyes were on what he weighed, right? Right. So he goes in and he weighs 287. And you're right. like, whoa, okay. That's heavier than Aaron Donald at the Combine. Mm-hmm. But then Ed didn't run at the Combine. Ed yeah. didn't do on-field drills at the Combine. Right. Oh, but Ed did his vertical jump and he did his broad jump because he's that explosive. So he knows he can do it with the extra weight. He didn't mm-hmm. want to run with the extra weight. So when he comes back for his pro day, which is late March. And they're not going to weigh him at the pro day, right? Or they, will they? They will, but is that going to be is that going to is that going to matter as much? Are people going to be paying as much attention to that? Probably not. Well, if he goes 278, 275 and then he runs fast, it's like eh, we can work with him. You think? Yeah. You'd think, but he went 287 and decided I'm I'm not going to run or work out or anything like that. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm just going to do my explosive my explosives, which we already know that he is. It's just a, at what level. He benched 225 32 times. He had a 36-inch vertical and had a 10-foot broad jump. Those are sick numbers for a defensive lineman. What's the latest he's drafted? Uh, boy, that's a great question. I don't think he gets out of the top 10, but I think Sweat goes in the top 10 now for sure. Greedy Williams crushed it today on the 40. So I think he's in the top ten. There goes and, my pick. And then your and then your um then your quarterbacks. Are Greedy go. was supposed to run slow so the Texans could get you at twenty three. Quinn Williams, Nick Bosa locked in top ten picks. I think Josh Allen's locked in as a top ten pick. Um, I think those guys, Sweat and Williams, are top ten picks. Kyler is going to be a, the. I think he's going to be number one overall. It's just a matter of whether it's the Cardinals or not. And I think Haskins ends up going in the top ten because he's a quarterback. All right, Johnny's final thoughts from the combine final. We're going to be talking about the combine until <laughs> next millennium. So there. And that thing about the Cowboys that I'm kind of jealous of. The only thing I'm jealous of regarding the Cowboys post-1996. We'll have that for you as well on Texans Radio. If you joined us late, we've been talking about how Jadavion Clowney has been franchised, tagged by the Houston Texans. They're going to try to work out a deal. Other teams can make an offer that the Texans, Texans could match. They could also get two number ones if another team wants to sign Clowney. A lot of different things can happen. They have until July 15th to work out an agreement. Otherwise, the tag is in play. Uh, He can play with the one-year deal and hope for better things for him next year. Not that it's a bad thing to make $14, $15 million a year. A lot of varying opinions about this sort of stuff, but we've been talking about it. Also, a lot about the Combine and up on HoustonTexans.com. You have our Combine shows from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, last week, broadcasting from Indianapolis. Hey, also here in studio right now, you know, I'm big involved with junior achievement. Big involved. That's grammatically incorrect, but bear Close with enough. me here. Close enough. Uh, and the Hall of Achievements coming up. I also have my Mark Vandermeer golf. 
Classic coming up, presented by Insperity and SNH Manufacturing. And thank you, Ron Carter, for being the car sponsor of that. But Evan Goodson is here from Deer Park Junior High. How's it going, Evan? Good. So we're going to be co-emceeing the Hall of Achievement in a couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. So do you have uh, do you have any idea what we're going to do here? Do you have any idea what we're, what we're supposed to say? Just introduce a bunch of people. All right, that's it. That's what I always say. That's I'm seeing, right, Johnny? That's just not in, hard. Just introduce a bunch of yeah, people. Yeah, just introduce a bunch of people, say yeah. what they do, and away you go. That, you'll be better than he is, I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. You're going to have to carry me. You ready yeah. for that? Yes, sir. All right, cool. All right. All right. So Evan's observing us today. He's doing a junior achievement job shadow thing, and you can get involved in the junior achievement website, Google Junior Achievement Southeast Texas. All right, Johnny, combine. Let's wrap it up here. Corners. Okay. You mentioned Greedy Williams crushing it. In Monday's activity at Indianapolis, who else did well? And what? What's a? Give me a name or two that could be attractive to the Texans in the second round, since the mock draft consensus, which is up on HoustonTexans.com, by the way, Drew Doherty's like eighth one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, everybody has the Texans taking a tackle. Yeah, and, and the tackles I thought performed pretty well. We've talked about Andre Diller and how he did. I, I thought the corners were a little slower than I expected. There were there were some that I was keeping my fingers crossed, like, I'll be faster. But I don't know if you remember this, Mark. When we went to Nashville and took on the Titans, yeah, we went to our one of our favorite places, the Southern, and we were watching Alabama just whitewashing SEC team. Do you remember who that was? Oh, it good. was Ole Miss. Remember oh, that? That was week two. Yeah, remember that? And they just, I mean, it was brutal. They just yeah. hammered them. And you're like, man, Ole Miss is bad defensively. Guess who had two of the fastest defensive back times Ole for all two Ole Miss guys? And the fastest ended up being a 4-2-9 by Zedrick Woods' safety at Ole Miss. That is fly. I mean, that's yeah. flying. And then Ken Webster ran a 4-3-7. So Zedrick Woods ran the fastest time of anybody at the Combine. Jamel Dean from Auburn, who started at Ohio State, he ran a 4-3-0, and he's very intriguing. In fact, I was texting our buddy Lance Erlon, and I just said, 6-1-2-0-6, ran 4-3-1. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like our a second game. It sounds like a, our second rounder is what yeah. it sounds like. It's a Brian Gain corner <laughs> yeah, right it there. It sounds exactly, exactly like that. I actually thought the safeties ran better. The safeties, Darius West from Kentucky ran a 4-3-9, which is a shocker. Will Harris from BC, 4-4-1. One of my favorites, Juan Thornhill from Virginia, ran 4-4-2. Sheldon Red One ran 4-4-4. Jonathan Abram, 4-4-5. Armani Hooker, 4-4-8. Uh, Darnell Savage ran 4-3-6. The safeties were flying. I thought the corners just – I didn't think the corners ran exceptionally well. Now, there were some guys that decided not to run um, – at safety in particular, Nasir Adderley, who I really wanted to see run. And the reason I say that is I think if Nasir runs well at his pro day, I think some teams might say, hey, wait a second, maybe we should think about this guy as a corner instead of a safety. And he didn't run today, so I, I don't know what just that was Just based on the about. way he runs. Yeah, just on just on how he runs. He's, he's 5'11 and a half, 195, so he's kind of in that mix. I mean, he'll he'll knock your lights out, so he can play a really good safety position too. If Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson are both on other teams next year – Hey, you could see drafting a safety at least somewhere, if not mm-hmm. relatively high. No doubt. Not with the first three picks, unless somebody dropped that you absolutely loved. Yep. You know, I think a lot of us would feel pretty good with Andre Hal and Justin Reed, 
as your starting two, but we saw how many guys you needed last year yep. just to get through the season. So no who doubt. knows how that plays out. I mean, a guy like Darnell Savage from Maryland is maybe the perfect example, a guy that could drop down and play the nickel. I mean, he could play with those two guys. You leave Justin and Andre in the back, and you let and you let Darnell Savage play the nickel role and play that role that Kareem Jackson plays, a 4-3-6. I mean, that's moving. And then if you need him at safety, he plays safety. Um, so I, I do think there are some options at safety. The corners, I don't, I don't think they, they ran exceptionally well. Uh, but a couple of guys, I mentioned uh, one earlier, uh, with Jamel Dean from Auburn, I thought he ran really well. The two guys from Clemson ran pretty well. Mark Fields ran four three seven, and Trayvon Mullen ran four four six. Now, I think Mullen's a much better player overall. But they're both of the height, weight, speed that I think the Texans would be looking for. The other guy who is really intriguing to me um, that I love is Jordan Brown from South Dakota State. He ran four five one, but he's also six foot, almost six one, two hundred pounds. So that's a pretty good time for a guy that size. But the guy from Penn State, Amani Oruware, is a guy that I didn't put in the, in the Harris one hundred, and I really I struggled with that because he's got everything you're looking for. But when I watch him on the field, it just doesn't it just doesn't come together for some reason. But he ran four four seven at six one almost two hundred ten pounds. So I think he's definitely gonna be a guy in the mix for the Texans. So I'm gonna go back and study him this week and see if I can match up that four four seven with how he plays on the field. I, I don't know that I see that, but he ran really well. And then a local guy, Chris Boyd ran really well at four four five. Now I think he should go to safety. But I think he could be a whale of a safety. I just think at corner it's going to be really tough for him. But four four five for Chris Boyd was very, very good. Amani Oruware? Yeah. I don't like that as a play-by-play guy. <laughs> Oruware? I've got R's and W's. and I mean, Oruware, that's going to be hard for me to spit out. I listened to Steve Jones. I, I had a game in Nacogdoches that I was doing. So on the way home I was listening to Sirius XM Radio, and Penn State was playing Michigan State. They just call him Amani. Yeah, they don't go Oruare no, because it's uh-uh. very difficult. They just like, call on the fly. <laughs> I always say this to young announcers, and, and young Evan is listening to this. When you have W's and R's no. and L's and all in a row, and it, it just it gets really jumbled up. It's very hard to spit that out sometimes. I have a tongue twister that helps for that. Yeah, I'm sure you do. You don't Maybe, hear it you right might, now, you? you might have to say it. All right, I'm going to say it right now. Go okay? for it. Now, it's not, it's not an actual – I combined a basketball name – with some Uh-oh. W's and R's in football. Orlando Woolridge will reportedly require require <laughs> rewarding work as a wide receiver. I can't even get through it. Orlando Woolridge will reportedly require rewarding work as a wide receiver. See, if you say that really fast a bunch of times, you will be fine. But now I got a new one, Amani Oruware. Yeah, it's tough. That's tough. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the local guy that had the best workout, University of Houston. And this is a guy that I noticed – in the summer, watching, we've already talked about Ed Oliver. By the yeah, way. we already talked about Ed. Isaiah Johnson at corner ran four four flat, which is smoking because Isaiah Johnson's long, rangy. I mean, he kind of fits that profile. Six two two oh eight. It wow. ran four four flat. So I would imagine he's definitely going to be on the Texans' radar screen as well with bigger, stronger, faster. I wanted to see Lonnie Johnson run well. He didn't run as well as I wanted him to. But I think he came in. What did he come in at, Lonnie Johnson? It's so four fun. five two. That's still. I mean, look, Lonnie Johnson at four five two. That's pretty darn good at a guy that's his size too. So I do think stepping back, the guys that I liked going in, I think ran okay. But some of the higher profile guys didn't run as well. Byron Murphy didn't run as well. Uh, Joe Williams did not run well at all. He ran four six four, but he's also six three and a half, two hundred ten pounds. So 
Um, and DeAndre Baker ran in the four fives, which I think some people are like, oh, man. Just get him in the four fours, he would have a first rounder for sure. But he ran four five, and I think teams are going to be like, oh, man, it's exactly what we thought. All right, why am I jealous of the Dallas Cowboys? The only thing I'm jealous of regarding them post-1996, because, you know, I'd love to have five Super Bowl rings. Of course. But the Texans have more playoff wins than they do after that year. And this is a thing I'm kind of jelly of, is that they're reportedly going to play the Rams in Hawaii in a preseason game. What? Hawaii, yes. And what? there's talk about <sighs> practicing in Hawaii prior to the game. Oh! So, Johnny, I mean, of, I mean, please, can we get that gig? Come Can on. Can we please get that gig? Are Going to Hawaii s- and practicing there? Can you imagine Bill O'Brien in an Aloha shirt <laughs> <laughs> at practice? <laughs> With a with a lay. No, I want I want Obi to get off the plane and the, the hula dancers are there. Oh, they give him a big kiss. With the, oh, you'd be like, what I'd, is this? What am I, I getting myself into? I would pay every dime I have oh, to see that. Just please see the look on his face. But they're going to Hawaii. They're going to Hawaii. You know, this is. I so- mean, that that's reported, so it's not official, and who knows? But I just the mere thought of it. I know Aloha Stadium is a total dump. Like. If I, who cares? I know. Who cares? But they won't play the Pro Bowl there. If I'm the people of Hawaii, I don't. whoever runs Aloha Stadium, put some money into Aloha Stadium so the NFL comes back there for the Pro Bowl. You know they want to, yeah. but they can't go back there because the stadium's a total dump. The players want to go back there because it's Hawaii. It's exotic. It's fun. It's Hawaii. Help out the University of Hawaii at the same time. <laughs> yes. You, this is. It's so funny you brought this up because earlier today in, in – this is I was strolling. I was going through my my Twitter timeline, and I happened to see this beautiful picture. And somebody tweeted a picture, and I was like, immediately, I thought that's Hawaii. And my immediate thought was, you know, we've gone to the Greenbrier. Why don't we do training <laughs> camp in Hawaii? Why don't we go there? I had this thought, sure and now you tell me this. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure that what, that uh, doesn't just, cost too many bucks to go to Hawaii. Little, just for, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> just a just a little you bit. Can sleep on the roster. beach. You don't even need you don't even need rooms for the guys. Sleep on. I'm sure that'll go fine. It'll be fine. Just let them sleep on the beach. Nothing bad will happen. How about the AAF using the official in the sky this weekend to overturn? Not even overturn. No, to call a penalty that wasn't called on the field. I, I, that's where we're going. That's yeah. where the NFL is going. I mean, th- that's that's what these. These leagues, whether they they know it or not, that's what they're doing. Yeah, they're essentially acting as a testing ground for the NFL to look at and go, you know what, the AAF that works. All right, let's go with it. That's essentially what this is. The USFL gave you the red challenge flag. Mm-hmm. The USFL did not give you two the point. two point conversion, but they you were using it as they a were pro using, league. College yeah. obviously had it then, and the NFL is like, all right, we got to go to it. Mm-hmm. I think the NFL had it, in, you know, eons ago. Like back in the dark ages, maybe I, I'm talking like pre. Well, you know, you know who had it. You know who the first. You know who the first league that had it was the AFL. The AFL had. Oh, it. the AFL had. AFL it. had it. AFL used it. Now I don't know if they used it all the time. I don't know if every year they had. It. I'm trying to remember. Okay, but I'm pretty sure that they had it. They had the two point play. They were the first to to bring it into existence. In and any then, case, these leagues, these spring leagues, whatever, yeah. these other leagues, they can experiment with some stuff, and you can see if it works or not. Heck yeah. And this is one of those things that could work. What happened between the Rams and the Saints might not have happened with an official in the sky able to call that penalty. I just I think that's where we're going. I I, yeah. I want to say that when we were at the combine, I heard some rumblings about that happening, mm-hmm. them looking at something like that, and I thought it was funny because one of the one of the nights that we went out to dinner, I happened to see a good friend of mine that I played college ball with, 
who is a senior VP uh, for the NFL, and I just asked him how things were going. When I ran into him a few years ago and we were out to eat, I saw him, and he was with three other people at the table, and I went up to him. I'd just seen him at one of our games, and I went up to him, and he just was like, hey. And like that's all he said. I was like, okay. I didn't think much of it, but I was like, well, that was kind of weird. Usually he would stand up and talk to me a little bit. Well, he told me later he was having this contentious meeting with the officials. And so when I saw him, I said, so are you having any contentious meetings with the officials? And he kind of just looked at me and smiled, and he goes, you know, competition committee, Sean Payton's on it. Yeah, he's like Sean Payton can make a can make a case for whatever needs to happen to to move this along. But I think the the sky ref or whatever you want to call it, sky ump or whatever it is, I, I think that's I think we're going there. I think right. we're absolutely going there. On the way out, we can do a longer conversation on this since we just got back from the combine. But uh, Peter King talked about it. Mike Florio talked about it. The possibility of moving the combine. It's been talked about for years. But how about this idea of having the medical examinations in Indy and having some of the on field workouts somewhere else? Uh, so you can move this thing around like the draft. Look, I don't know if that works. I think maybe that works better than moving the whole thing. The, you know, India is such a great working environment for the leagues, yeah. for the league, the coaches, the scouts, the GMs, the players, everybody. I don't know if this happens, but I think it's it's bound to happen at some point because there's money in it, and, te- and cities will bid, and they'll make it attractive and everything else. Yeah, I think the one thing that will happen sooner than later, and, and when I read that they were going to do the medical examinations in the morning, my first thought was, oh, they're going to put the workouts at night and put that on prime time. Yeah. That was my first thought, and, and I think that's probably step one in that process. Hey, let's see how this does in prime time. I think other cities would look at it and say, hey, you're bringing all these heavy hitter NFL types into into that city. I think what's happened in Indianapolis, because it's been there so often, you have more and more people that are accustomed to it. And I, I like Indy. I've always I've said that I like the the location. I like the changes they made for us. I I just I like it. And, and a lot of times when you like something, you don't want to see it change. But then again, right. you're going, wait a second. What if they move this to Hawaii? What if they put the combine in Hawaii? What if they did it out there? We got a week of going to combine hawaii all right i'm in uh, I'm in fact saying. i think we need two weeks of preparation on mm-hmm. location just to be sure that we are accurately and totally prepared for those broadcasts yes right? and that's check, what i suggest check your budget it's all for work yes. It's really all for the good of work thank you johnny thank you mark john harris the busiest man in football right now okay maybe that's too much of a claim but man he's got the harris 100 out he's got observations from the Combine. It's all there on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Download that. You can listen to these shows. You can read all that great stuff, see all the great videos from the Combine and everything to do with your Texans here in the offseason. And you know the conversation is going to continue. Texans tagging Clowney today. You know they're going to be talking about it all day and night on Sports Radio 610. So stick around. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening and go Texans.